Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, discuss the whole art of writing, self-publishing, marketing, advertising your books, everything to do with this crazy industry that we are mixed up in. And today we are joined by an extremely special guest who I am very, very excited to talk to, Alessandra Torre, who uh, not only is a New York Times best-selling author, she has a movie based on one of her books on Passion Flicks, but also she is one of the brains behind Inca's Con, which is a brand new conference for writers, but a prodigiously successful one with both an in-person and a digital aspect to it. So, Alessandra, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we are extremely pleased you made it. And uh, before we move on, last but not least, the man with the, the ideas is Craig Touch, uh, owner and founder of Hidden Gems, a writer himself. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited as well. Like I was uh, saying to you guys sort of before we started, like I had sent out an email to uh, all of our authors asking about conferences and what people, which ones people were looking forward to and all that. And uh, all the responses I got back, the majority of them mentioned InkersCon. And, um, you know, for a conference that just started in 2019, you know, born in the pandemic, pretty much. Uh, to go from that to uh, the one that everyone's talking to and uh, talking about and everyone wants to go to, I think that's awesome. So, uh, you know, thanks for joining us and coming on to talk to us about it. And, you know, let's let's hear what you have to say about InkersCon. Absolutely. And I really love this topic because for me, at least as an author, I started in 2012 and my very first conference was Romantic Times in Kansas City. At the time, I was in Kansas City. And um, the friends and the things that I learned at that conference really cemented, you know, my career. I based so many decisions and I still have those friendships today. Um, and so I've always been very passionate about conferences. Con was originally going to be an online conference, kind of similar. Uh, I have taught online classes in writing and marketing, and I had really maxed out my knowledge base, right? Like I had put everything I knew out there, but I, there were so many areas I really wasn't an expert in, or I wasn't succeeding in where I was seeing other authors or other experts killing it. So originally it was a thought like me and my sister um, who run InkersCon, we said, um, let's bring like all of the brains together and film them, you know, professionally all in one location so we can control the sound and the look and the lighting um, and that was really where Inker's Con was born, was this idea of bringing a bunch of people together and filming, you know, each of them speaking on their topic. And then it was kind of, well, if we're going to fly everybody in and have everybody stay at the conference, like it seems silly not to let authors come and watch that, right? And then interact. And then it was like one thing led to another and suddenly we had an aspiring author boot camp, you know, and it, before we knew it, we had a conference. But that initial thought, that initial desire to have high quality footage that could be enjoyed by anyone, no matter where they're at in the world, was was still there, right? That was still kind of our primary purpose. And so from the very beginning, InkersCon was always a hybrid. And at the time, it was the only author's conference I was aware of, at least, that was available both virtually and in person. So we bring everyone together. We have a live, full-fledged conference Um, but we have a team of videographers. We have eight videographers that are there. They film everything from multiple camera angles. Everything is done top notch. 
All the presentations were filmed. None of the fun, like, you know, the open bar, none of that is filmed, but the presentations were all filmed. And then we package it and six weeks later, it launches digitally. And all of our live attendees also have digital access. Um, we launch it digitally and, um, and we have three full weeks of digital events and networking events and things like that. And then attendees have access for six years so they can watch the content for six years. That's awesome. It's like you almost backed into this uh, COVID proof formula, right? That everybody else who had a conference was like, I don't know what to do. How are we going to do this? You had built it from day one to be like, to be digital. Uh, and then it just happened that um, that's exactly what you needed when the whole world went digital. Um, and that's awesome. I'm so glad. And, and then like, what's cool too, is that, um, you know, the, the live, you didn't give up on the live part, part because I've been to, I only went to one conference and this was a, uh, a couple years ago, a few years ago. And um, that was the best, one of the best parts was the networking and meeting all the other authors and all the other speakers and stuff. And, and just, uh, you know, talking to people that do what you do and understand you as opposed to your family who are like, yeah, he's just sitting in his room, hanging around on his keyboard and knows what he's doing over there. Right. Nobody gets it. Right. But then you're in this whole conference of people that get it. It's a totally unique and it is great because like you said, we're kind of all on our own Island. I mean, we now have been able to build digital relationships and online relationships. And the pandemic was great in that aspect and that it really did blossom a lot of virtual interaction, but there's still just nothing like it. Like the synergy, the energy being around, you know, in a line at the coffee shop and everyone around you is an author and you immediately have something to talk about, which is what do you write? You know, and if they're in your genre, great. If they're not in your genre. And that was another thing with Inker's Con is I wanted it to be multi-genre. Um, we are fiction, adult fiction focused. Um, we not, Which isn't to say that we don't have middle grades and, uh, and children's books and nonfiction attending. But we really are focused and what our classes are built around is fiction. But it's multi-genre because me as a romance author and also a suspense author, but my, my bread and butter was always romance, but I wanted to know what the people in fantasy that were killing it, like, what are they doing? What can I steal from what authors in other genres are doing and bring to the romance marketing that might not be, you know, might not be here yet. So I really wanted to learn and interact and see how authors in other genres wrote and told stories and, and kind of cherry pick what appealed to me for my own career. Yeah, for sure. And then you're you're filming it all. It's all available digitally so that, you know, people can watch it later. But, you know, the cool thing is, too, and it sort of goes back to the idea that, you know, a lot of these other conferences, um, it was, I'm not going to say an afterthought as so much as a, uh, they were they were forced to go digital, right? So it wasn't like, it wasn't sort of as built into the whole idea. So, you know, their digital versions, you know, they might not be as good or whatever, whereas yours was built to be digital. So you have that, you know, that the digital side is going to be quality. And so you have both now, right? You have the live and the digital. People don't have to do both. They, um, they can do one or the other. So how does it work? If you go to the live, um, do you have access to the digital um, as well, or you just have access to the the filmed uh, uh, talks and, and workshops and all that? So any live ticket includes a full digital ticket. And so, and the digital ticket 
what another blessing of the pandemic, if you can have any blessings in that situation, is that before for us, it, the focus was really on the content, like delivering the content digitally. But the networking aspects, we we didn't just pay as much attention to like um, they they happened and there was crazy engagement in the Facebook group. And we would have we had from the very first year what we call roundtables, which is um, any attendee can start um, or can host a roundtable discussion on any topic. So sometimes it's like networking, like urban fantasy authors meet each other. But other times it's like I want to teach about Amazon keywords, you know, and so someone will have a roundtable discussion about that, or it's let's share audiobook marketing ideas. And so different people attend the Zoom chat and talk about that. And it's at a specific time. And that has really just blown up. We had over 100 last year as part of the digital. Um, and so every hour, basically, of those three weeks, there was a chat going on somewhere that somebody could join. And um, and most of those were recorded. So you could watch the replays later. We had one that lasted three and a half hours. Um, and it was the most popular. It was about men talking about writing erotica um, and answering questions like sex from a male point of view. And it was like our by far most popular. Um, I, you know, it had over a thousand views of the replay um, because it was so interesting. But so that that really then allowed us to really focus. It allowed all of our retailers, Amazon, Apple, you know, um, to come and Kobo to come and meet with attendees online and then. Now that they've done it once, like they have to keep doing, you know, like they're hooked. So it's great because previously you could only meet with Amazon if you're at the live conference. But now we have opportunities to meet with all of our retailers and our sponsors on the digital side. And you're really getting kind of a full fledged conference experience from home. Wow. So who's showing up from Amazon? Like, is this like a, um, a KDP rep or um, like somebody from that team or a group of people from that team? Or Yeah. Last year we had um, Goodreads reps. We had KDP reps. Um, we had people from their ads department. So um, they hosted roundtables on certain topics and they also did just open office hours where anybody could come in and talk about a specific thing. Um, and so there were a lot of different departments there. Yeah, I can only imagine some of the bitch sessions that must have. <laughs> you might have to squash it. Oh, okay, this is an Amazon attack. I always feel bad when they, uh, because I'm like, man, like, because I know it's a lot of them, especially the one-on-one -on -one appointments. Like, there's just a lot of ranting that goes on or, you know, authors <laughs> venting about a certain thing. Um, so, but they all, they seem to take in stride. I think they've built a thick skin with different things. Yeah. 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 You don't want to scare them away. So no, <laughs> no. As, long as, <laughs> as long as they can, um, be able to give their message message as well as hear, you know, some of the feedback, which, you know, I, I think for authors, a lot of them, that's a great thing, right? Cause they, they, I hear from authors all the time. They don't have a way to contact uh, different reps at different companies, right? So giving them sort of that one-on-one -on -one face time allows them to do that. That's like almost worth the price of admission right there. Absolutely. We have BookBub coming this year and doing both to the conference and um, 
to the digital conference. And that's what I imagine in, in their appointments, it's gotta be like, how do I get a book club deal? How often do they hear that? You know what I mean? Or I've done everything I could do. I've applied 14 times. Like, you know, can I send cookies to some address? Um, but, but what do I have to do? And I asked them once on a pre-call, I said, do y'all get like gifts? And they, they get stuff shipped to their offices all the time. Um, you know, they're like, we won't call them bribes, but you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, are they gifts or are they bribes? That's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't even have thought to do that. Send them. I um, find it, oh, I was just going to say, I, my background is in corporate communications and events and things like this. I personally uh, find what you've accomplished astonishing. I worked with a company last year that um, had a, a seat booked to this live conference. It all got turned digital. And so the sticker price for them, which we're talking multiple ten thousands of dollars, uh, was there. And in the end, their virtual booth got 12 visitors. And so it's like the so many people and companies just were not able to make that work. And then straight out of the gate, you seem to have got the formula right. So that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, we have thousands of digital attendees, um, which is fantastic. And what and it's great because they're all over the world. And, um, and they're all, they're everybody from aspiring and newbies to, you know, multiple New York Times bestsellers. So it's great that we've been able to, to build that. And, and I think it definitely helped us having a leg up because so many, especially that first year, 2020, it was just so late in the game. Like, you know, I mean, us, we were, weren't sure. I mean, it was two months before the conference and we were like, should we do it? Should we not do it? You know, what do we do? Cause it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but when we said, okay, let's just kill the live event and only do digital, there was no learning curve for us. So that really allowed us and our audience was used to it. Like our audience already knew about attending because you have a lot of authors also who sign up for these online summits or online conferences and they don't attend or they watch one or two classes and that's it, you know, and, and we really want them to get the value for their money. Um, and, and we really want them to watch as much as possible because that's how we get them to come back, you know, is to really get the bang for their buck. Yeah, for sure. So how did you um, grow it so fast? Like, what did you do at the beginning when you were not a conference and then all of a sudden you're a conference? Mm-hmm. How did you um, get people uh, involved and in, and uh, not just like um, the uh, the attendees, which is is one part of it, but also you know all the people that are going to speak. And I, I'm sure you have you do other things even before Inker's Con, right? Like you're you're besides being a best selling author, you, you know you have I've uh, I've seen that you have the Goodreads um, webinars, and you so I know you have a, a probably a good network of authors right now. Um, even before this, but like, what did you do to sort of get the word out and get everyone interested in it? I'm, I'm to be totally honest, first year was really hard. Um, and the first year was so stressful. Um, we were losing money. Um, we lost money at, with the live event, definitely, because I mean, our videographer budget alone is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, not, and then you have editing, you know, and I mean, so, um, the first year you already have the normal expenses and, um, my thought was, oh, 200 tickets, that'll be easy to sell, you know? And, um, you know, so I committed to X amount of hotel rooms and everything else. 
and we were, I mean, we, we had to cover over a hundred hotel rooms with the hotel our first year. So our first year we were, which was our only live year, we were very small. Um, I think we had 80 attendees. Um, I already had a built-in author audience because I, my online classes and I had a Facebook group that might've had 2000 attend 2000 members at the time. Now it's grown to over 20,000. But um, but I had a I had an audience. I already had connections. I had connections with Goodreads. I had connections with Amazon. Um, and that first year, Amazon was our only sponsor at the um, you know or retailer at the live event. And uh, but then we, it had a long. Um, and so when we launched the live a month later, um, we had a couple hundred maybe digital attendees. But word of mouth spread and we ended up selling almost three times as many tickets after the conference launched. So in those nine months after, you know, we released all the classes and from that point on, it's all available on demand. Somebody can buy a ticket. Somebody can buy a ticket now to the 2019 conference, you know, and binge watch those classes if they want. So, um, so through webinars and things like that, I sold, we sold tickets um, to that conference all the way up until we started selling tickets for 2020. Um, but uh, but that first year, uh, there was definitely, it was like, well, maybe this was a fun experience, like experiment, but maybe, you know, like the stress um, and the finances just aren't there to make it work. Um, but, uh, but then the attendee response was fantastic and our returning attendee rate was fantastic. So then the next year, everything was so much easier you know, um, even even with the pandemic um, and, and our costs were so much less for the, for the second year because we didn't everybody was, you know, webcamming from home for our presenters. Um, but then uh, but then the attendees have really pushed it from then on. Like I used my audience for the initial launch of the conference. And then after that, attendee uh, referrals, attendees talking about it, authors talking about it in author groups. That's how. Uh, we grew from there. And and then we had numbers and data so we could go to the other retailers and the other sponsors and say, hey, um, you know, Apple, Amazon was at the conference last year. You should come this year, you know, and here's how many views, you know, they had and how many appointments they had with authors and things like that. And then once we were able to get it's one of those things like, you know, fear of missing out or whatever. You know, if we can get two or three of the retailers, then we can normally get all of them, you know, Absolutely. they don't want to be left out of the party. Yeah. For sure. I, I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, word of mouth is the cheapest way to advertise and it's the best way, right? Yeah. Authors have their communities. They have the places they talk to. And if you, you know, if you just do a good job, you know, authors are pretty loyal. They'll, you know, they, they, they want to tell their friends about the services that really work for them. And, uh, you know, we, we see it all the time with the gems and, um, and, you know, so it really speaks to me that that's how it worked. Cause that totally makes sense to me. It's like, if you did good on your first year and everybody started talking about it and sharing it, then yeah, it's just going to snowball from there for sure. And I love that, you know, pitting, pitting them against each other. But, well, you know, Apple, Amazon, you don't want them to be the only one, you know, they're already exclusive with KDP. I mean, come on, you don't want them to be exclusive with InterestCon. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I was going to ask you, you are a, a very established author yourself. And the first live show in 2019, what is it that you learned that you didn't know before? Oh, man. I'm trying to go back in time with 2019. Um, 2019 for me, uh, I learned a ton about uh, one of the best class, Kindle Unlimited Marketing. 
because it was something I had just started to move into KU, but I wasn't really, you know, I didn't really know my way around it. Um, so Kindle Unlimited Marketing was big for me there. Um, and uh, craft classes. I have neglected craft classes my entire career. Um, you know, it's that boring stuff like that you don't want to deal with. Um, but we had such a fantastic group of speakers that were so passionate, you know, and um, and I had to watch all the classes because, you know, I'm proofing the editing, edit videos and things like that. Um, and I was amazed at how much I didn't know, you know, like you find your way through books, the more you write them. But a lot of it's just instinct or, you know, training from reading tons of books. But that really that conference really taught me to fall in love with learning about craft, which, again, before I had always been like, you know, I want to go to the fancy fun stuff, which is the marketing stuff. But that really um, nailed that in. And then also just looking at your um, career as a business. So uh, I took a legal class at that conference and we have four pillars of Inker's con marketing, advertising, craft and business. So we always include business. We, uh, I taught a business plan class there. Um, but that was and then the last year, the last year, the biggest takeaway that I heard over and over again, and I will take it to my grave is um, is writing to market. Just just, you know, I always wrote what I wanted to write. And, you know, that'll get you so far. And if you, if you have a ridiculously huge audience, then then go for it. But I met and heard from so many authors that really showed this is where I was. And this was the moment that I began to write to market. And this is what happened. And um, and just how much incredibly easier of a job you can have if you understand your market and you write to it and you market to it and you blurb to it and you know, and you get those pieces in line. And I left from there and I said, you know what, if I'm going to spend three to four months on a book or six months on a book, I need to be smart about it. And I need to to write it where it's going to have the biggest audience. And before I'd always been like, oh, the passion or, you know, I need to write what's in my heart or whatever. And now I'm like, you know, I'm either here to succeed and to grow my audience or I'm doing this for fun and it's a hobby. And unfortunately for me, I need to succeed and make money, you know, so I can pay my mortgage. So, um, so that was, if I'm going to spend time on a book, I want it to be a book that's, that's found and read and loved. And so for that, I need to make sure that, that there is an audience for it and that I'm hitting the right notes for that audience. That was probably one of the most succinctly important pieces of information that we could have ever given to people. And so there, go and discover it for yourself. I mean, is there going to be, do you rehash some of the materials that you do at Incascon and stuff like that? If people attended this year, was that the same sort of thing that they might end up taking away? Or yeah, is there new so wisdom? We always have a brand new uh, agenda every year, but we bring back um, the speakers that are really loved and requested. We'll often bring them back to talk on a slightly different topic. And again, because normally the bad thing about a conference is it's like, oh, there's multiple tracks. And if I'm here, then I have to miss this other class. And later people are like, oh, my gosh, that class was amazing. And it's like you're never going to get to watch that. But now but, you know, that was another thing is we want our live attendees to be able to relax and enjoy, you know, the class, knowing that the other classes are being recorded or if they want to, you know, skip classes and just sit and talk in the lobby with a group of people. Everything's being recorded. So it's OK. So. Um, if if you're watching this, if you're a 2020 attendee or 2021, Melanie Harlow's class 
on marketing, on writing to market. It's not really about writing to market. It's about creating a brand is incredible. And one thing she said is she's like, you know, maybe she's like, I am known for writing spaghetti, right? Like spaghetti is, that's what I write, right? And her, her version of spaghetti is feel good romances that make readers happy when they read them, right? Small town, feel good romances make writers happy. She goes, and there are some days where I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to write spaghetti. You know, I want to write cotton candy or whatever. And she goes, but, you know, but I, I make myself write spaghetti. And it's not just, and, and that's the other thing is, it's not just about writing to market or writing a book to market. It's about what is Alessandra Torre known for? And Alessandra Torre in the past has written whatever Alessandra Torre wanted to write. And that's a sports romance. And that's a forbidden romance. And I had a dark romance, you know, and a celebrity romance. And I have been so incredibly inconsistent that even when I hit it big, and even if I had a New York Times bestseller, well, then the next book I wrote was something completely different, you know? And so I, I would be building audiences and then I would lose them with my next book. And it, what I should have done and what an Amazon rep told me at the very first conference when I had lunch with them at, the, at that 2019 conference is he said, the authors that we see that are killing it, they find their niche, whether it's Scottish, you know, 17th century time travel, they find their niche, they hit it, and then they write the same thing over and over again. And it's not sexy. I mean, it probably is sexy, but it's not, you know, it's not the coolest thing in the world. And maybe you have other stuff you want to do. But they write it over and over again. And Susan Stoker is another. We've had her on the stage several times at InkersCon. She writes, she'll be the first to tell you, she sells seven figures a year consistently. She writes the same book over and over again. She writes A Damsel in Distress who's saved by a Navy SEAL. And, and that's what she writes. And that's what her audience wants. And they, you know, they pre-order her books without thinking about it because they know what they're going to get. My readers have no earthly idea what they're going to get. And that is not a good thing. You know, I used to think it was like, oh, great. It's not a good thing. And that has hurt me. And it's amazing that I've had the success I've had knowing what I now know. And if I could go back and start it all over again. Um, but you also have to find your niche, you know, and you could be writing. I was interviewing Ryan Shaw, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And he was writing like urban fantasy and he switched to a form of thriller and his career took off. Like, but how many books did he write in urban fantasy before he found his niche? So it's not, it doesn't mean just keep barreling away, you know, in a genre that you hate, like you've got to find where you fit. But then once you find that the best business thing to do is to just keep, keep sticking there. And with any luck, you manage to find a way to be able to tell the stories you want to tell in a framework that meets those reader expectations, I guess. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's great to hear all that because, you know, this is something that we've talked about so much in the blog and so much um, with authors when we have, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one talks with them about all this stuff where it's like, you know, finding your niche, but it's, it, you know, writing to market and, you know, so many people... And, and it's fine, right? Because there are two different types of authors. There's the ones that are doing it for a living and mm -hmm. that they want to make money and and that and that's nothing wrong with that and then there's the ones that they just want to they just want to write some books right they just want to be a writer they just want to put it out there and maybe connect with some people and 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 that's fine right and so you know that's whatever type of author you are that's fine but the ones that want to make money but are writing it the other way where i just want to write whatever i want to write 
those two don't often coincide, right? Or you have to figure out how to write what you want to write, but also make it to market, right? And it doesn't always mean selling out, which is what I think a lot of authors think it is, right? This, I, I, thought, I thought that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. You can find a way to merge those two, right? Or often, I mean, you know, if you're writing some crazy, yeah. I'm sure there's some things we can think of that, you know, they're never going to find their audience to the level that they want. But in general, like you can tell. Uh, MMA romance. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's right. You used to write the MMA romance and you just couldn't find your market there. (laughs) Then you put the motorcycle in there, suddenly, boom. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, I think the the biggest, uh, when I was writing romance, I think my biggest hit was a motorcycle romance. And that was back in the days of Sons of Anarchy. And so that was the way it was. It was like, oh, everybody likes that show. Let's all write motorcycle romances. And then everyone started doing well with that. So no, I totally, I totally get it. It's great that that's one of those focuses at your conference, because that tells me that, you know, it's, it's teaching people the right thing, right? That's awesome. So what do break the rules you just have to know the rules and be aware that you're breaking them and have made that decision that I know that the right you know not the right thing to do but that this is the path that is quickest to success and I am making a conscious decision that I don't that I want to go here because I really love this story or really love how it is or whatever or I want to live in a world with no stress and just write for fun and that's great it's long it but it helps because there are so many people who are also in that sea with you who don't, who want to be successful, you know? So you just want to make sure that you understand the rules and then you can decide whether you want to break them. And you know what, when you become, when you get to a certain level of success, and I think that that's probably where you are now and why you can be much more successful writing uh, different stuff is you can do a lot of things differently and you can take a lot more chances and it won't affect you as negatively once you've, got a built-in audience and once you've got to a level of success there's a lot of times where we give some advice to an author and we say you know if you if you want to succeed you should do this and they'll point to some like, big him. name author yeah well, that, that, whatever she wants to yeah. write or you know she's gonna uh, sell it yeah yeah that person has a cover that has absolutely <laughs> nothing on it except for the title and it does great how come i can't do that well because they have a million people reading their book regardless of what they write you know so you can get there but you have to get there you know and you and you know so that it's great yeah that's um so in general, so I, I had kind of wanted to talk about this at the beginning, and I, you know, we we uh, jumped right into it. But if for conferences in general, for authors that are that have never been to a conference, um, what are they going for? What what do you think is the main you know focus that they? Why why should they go? And and what are they going to get out of it? Is really I think what I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of newer authors at least, are wondering. And then sort of also is it what do newer authors get out of it versus what do more experienced authors get out of it? Yeah, I love this question. So if you're an author and you're thinking, should I go to an author's conference? You know, what is the purpose? Why, why should I go? So there are a couple of types of people that authors conferences are great for. One is if you are, if you enroll in online classes or online courses, and then you never do them because, you know, you have shiny things going on in your life and you have, you know, and you get bogged down and you just don't do it. I'm, I can tell you right now, that's me. Like that is the type of person that I am. And it isn't until later when I have a very specific need, you know, I need to learn Amazon ads, then I'll go back and I'll watch this stuff. But it's hard for me to 
to do that. Uh, Jamie Albright is a author friend of mine. She, we were just talking about this on um, Clubhouse. But so if you're that type of person, going to a conference is fantastic because it's really forcing you to take a vacation from your normal life and spend a weekend or a day or however long the conference is that is 100% focused on you and your career. So it's really like a gift to yourself, right? And and you'll go there and you'll walk away with knowledge and you'll go in and walk away with connections and um, and typically a lot of inspiration and excitement, right? It's like a, sh a shot in the arm that gives you this, this boost, right? Where you are ready to just take on everything and you can't wait to put into action everything you've learned. So there's that person, the person who doesn't, who needs to force themselves to be in a situation so that they can uh, have those experiences and, and take advantage of that. And then you, you have other authors that are missing that community or that tribe, or they feel like they don't, you know, they're kind of lost in this sea of a book world and it's hard for them to form relationships and friendships on social media. It, I can tell you, it's really hard for me to do that because, you know, I, I might have a snippet of a conversation here or there, but I'm not building any relationships with any people. So for that reason, um, going to a conference is great because you're really immersing yourself into the deep end, right? And you got to swim. And I would say looking at our attendees, 95% of our attendees are coming alone. Um, most of them don't know anyone when they're, or they're starting out. Uh, we have chatter on our app. We have an app for the conference now. And um, like one of the most popular threads is um, I'm, you know, I don't know anyone I'm coming and they've already organized like two dinners. Um, and so they're all going to meet and they're all going to meet right before registration so that they can come in together. Um, so it's great. Even if uh, at the end, last final day, I was getting ready to head to the airport to fly home of our first conference. One of our boot campers, which boot campers was an aspiring author program we had, came up and said, I just want you to know. I met, you know, I met, I'm leaving here with, you know, she showed me on her phone, like six phone numbers of other authors that are in my genre. She goes, and I now have a co-writing partner and she's going to start co-writing books with this person. And she was like, I am not that person. She's like, I was the kid who was always picked on in school. She's like, I am not social. I am awkward. She's like, I cannot believe like that. I, and she's like, I was so afraid to come here. She had just retired from her job. You know, she was a woman in her 60s and she and everyone I, I saw her with groups of people the entire time and young, old. I mean, it was, you know, a great mix, some in her genre, some not. But um, but it's great because even if you are shy and if you are shy and I can tell you, I was a, an extremely shy person before I, you know, came into the book world. Um, volunteer, offer to volunteer at a conference, at the conference, because they'll put you to work and they'll put you in a situation where you're meeting other people and you're interacting with attendees and you have a job and you're not just standing there like, you know, nervous because everybody seems to be in a group. That's a great way to jump in. But if you're looking for to meet other people and to talk craft and to, you know, be immersed in this community in a way that you maybe haven't been able to, a conference is great. And it, and typically, normally, and ordinary society, you can always find a conference is within a couple hours of driving distance of you, even if it's not maybe 
your precise niche conference. You know, there's normally, you know, some sort of author's event and there's almost always like a local writing group in your area and, and you can, you know, connect with them at a conference or connect with them and then all carpool to the conference. So that was a long answer to a short question. Well, it was a very good answer. It was a very good answer. I mean, I think that's the thing I, the, the probably resonates with you too. It's like, I feel to, I call people muggles who aren't writers. And it, it's like we're freaking insane people to them. Yeah. And it's like, it's not and for most things, you know, if you're a car guy, you can talk to a car guy and get a, a vague feeling. If you're into cross stitch or whatever with writing, it's like, it's especially writing where you are successful. It's like the experiences you've gone through to reach that level of success puts you in a different world. And so going to a conference and speaking with people who hear the sound of the same trumpets must be amazing. Yeah, and I think the networking is such a it's such a key thing, especially in in a in a job where you spend most of your time by yourself alone, you know. And I mean, regardless of whether you have a relationship, you're married or you're, you know, it's still it's still a very lonely solitary profession. And it's just the idea of getting out there, even if it is just virtual, right? Because you have those those groups and stuff, but um you know, just uh, the idea to get out there and talk to all these different people and, and, you know, see what they're doing. You know, I met a lot of um, people that, you know, I still talk to at the conference I went to. And one of them, you know, does, uh, does some of the work, uh, Julie, who does some of the blurb writing for us, you know, I met her there and, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's just such a, it's such a important thing to, um, to make sure that you're still being social <laughs> when you're an author, you know, and not, staying in your little cave, your little writing cave. There's also um, so much more information that's shared. Like it, you'll walk out of a class and, you know, just standing there in the lobby for 15 minutes before the next class. And you're like, oh, that was really interesting what she said about putting books on pre-order on KU. And, you know, and then someone's like, oh, I did that with my book XYZ and it was a total flop. But, you know, it's hard. A lot of times just online and in, in random social media groups, a lot of people are keep things close to the chest and they don't share, you know, or they don't give personal examples or share money amounts or things like that. But it's different when you're at a conference, like it feels like you're in a protected bubble and you can share and discuss things that work and things that don't work for you. And that was, I was really glad to see that also come out in roundtables online with Inker's Con because it was the same thing. Like um, it's hard to just, you know, make a random post that shares, you know, the things you did that that helped. But when you're in that conversation back and forth on a specific topic, then it really allows you, even if you just sit there and listen, to take in a lot. And then, you know, you might have one thing to share, but that could be one thing that really helps and impacts another person. Yeah, those side conversations are there, key. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Craig. But what no, you no. said was absolutely like I know for a fact that when you, yeah, when you're posting online and stuff like that, people do obfuscate some of the facts. And if you mention specific figures, I know I'm always like, wait, I think does that make me successful or does that make less? Because I'm always like, I want to earn more. I want to be like the big people. And then there are lots of people who might appreciate being where I am. And you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. So, yeah, that the being able to be honest about these things is so valuable because I know when I speak to other writers and they tell me their finances, I'm like, oh, actually, I'm doing okay. And then that gives you a bit of more confidence to continue what you're doing. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we always, um, 
tried to do with with the blog that because of where Roland and I both came from when we started we started um, around the same time and we were part of an online community that helped both of us grow as authors tremendously and um, but I think over time uh, as people grew to certain levels of success they stopped sharing right they stopped because they thought they were giving away their secrets or their you know whatever um and i get it to a certain level especially online where you don't know how many millions of people are seeing this and and then posting it somewhere else and it's going everywhere but with a you know you go to a conference and you're talking one-on-one with somebody you're not it's not going to be something you need to protect because you're helping this one person or this like these three or four people that are sitting there you're not posting it somewhere and then having it tied back to you forever and ever and going out to the whole world to see right yeah um so in terms of somebody who is an established author right so if when they come what do people do or do they do you find that they typically are looking through your list of um of the different classes and they're like okay you know i know how to do this i know how to do that but i want to come for this and i i kind of want to see this one are they are they still attending, you know, those ones to see if there's some snippet of, you know, what are they going to get out of it if they feel like they already know everything? You know, there's some authors who think they know everything already. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of those authors. And they typically <laughs> are on the stage a lot of times. Yeah, well, that's the place for them, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I'll tell you, you know, um, I think you had you ha- once, so let's talk about a successful author, okay? And for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to refer to a successful author as someone who makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on their writing, okay? Um, And even though, obviously, you know, but from the mindset of where you're talking about, I think normally people making five figures really can see that there is room for them to grow, you know? But um, when they start making, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, then there's oftentimes like a mental divide, right? You've got the authors that think that they know everything, Um, and then, um, and then, and I was that author for a long time in terms of, um, like, I was like, you know, my books are doing great. Um, I don't, I felt like I was someone people could learn from, which is why I started online classes. And it wasn't until really, I started looking at my processes and, and looking because I had to break down what I knew so that I could teach it to someone else. And I was like, oh, like, I know how to write a book. Obviously I've written, you know, 20 books, but I, I don't know how I'm actually doing this. Like I'm just sitting down and it's coming out, you know? And so, um, so, so you've got people that are confident in their path and they don't feel like they need to, to learn from others. And that's fine. You know, and those, those people normally come to conferences and they never attend a class. And I'll tell you, I, I've been to probably five or six conferences where I maybe attended one class, but what I did do is I met with my reps you know, at different retailers. Uh, I met with my publishers, if my publishers were at that conference. And I just sat in the lobby and talked to all the people who I have met online or looked up to. And and I just had those sort of conversations um, in the bar, you know, and went to um, and went to lunches and things like that with people that I have communicated with, but not had a chance to actually meet in person before. Um, bloggers, things like that. Um, so I've done that a ton of times. 
Now I am very aware of what I don't know. And what I don't know is a lot, you know, and I'm like, I'm doing okay in audiobooks. Like I make a nice amount of money from audiobooks, but I'm not focusing any of my time and energy on audiobook marketing. I'm not focusing any of my time and energy on translating my books into foreign languages and selling them on a market there. I don't care who you are. There is something for you to learn. Like I don't, it, there just is. And especially in craft. I mean, you can never not know enough about craft, you know, or, or find out a different plotting method or a way of characterization from a new person. So, um, and, and ads, how often are ads changing, you know? So, um, so you'll, you will have authors that attend conferences and they're just there to network and have a weekend off and they might spend their time up in their room writing because they're away from their kids and their work and their everything else. And they, and, you know, and they want a weekend that they can just focus on getting words down and, relaxing and meeting with people and having a good time. Um, and then you have, I'll, I'll sit there in a room and see, you know, someone who I just think knows everything there is to know about everything. And she's in the front row or he's in the front row and he's taking notes. And that's why they know everything there is to know about everything because they are learning as much as they can. So, um, so every author is different. And when you see successful authors, a lot of them just present and the rest of the time, they're just relaxing and, you know, working on their manuscript or doing whatever. And other ones are in every class they can get to. Um, so if you are in that, if you are in that middle, you know, if, if you're successful, but you're trying to get to that next plateau and you can't figure out where it is, look at look at where you aren't successful, you know, and if it's, you know, and if you're just killing it in every arena, more power to you. That's fantastic. But I know for me, there's a lot of gaps where I could be earning more money and I'm not. Um, and that's really where I want to fill in those gaps and then, um, and then elevate my writing as much as I can. Yeah. I'm being self-aware. That's like the key to success right there. Right? Yeah. No, I, I totally, I can see some of the draw to, uh, you know, Oh, I'm going to go to this conference, honey. And then, you know, you get there and you're like, stay in your room and write. And it's like, Oh my God, I have so much, so much privacy and, and time. Wrong with that. No, can, there isn't. You know, I can totally out fifteen thousand words, and you know, yeah. a weekend like that's fantastic. Yeah. The tax write-off, you know, <laughs> exactly. You can go exactly. down, eat from the buffet, you know, relax and celebrate when you hit your your goal for the day, and go to bed early. And yeah, I mean, yeah, there there's something for everyone for sure. <laughs> I, I I think that's awesome. I think that the you know, but you you hit the nail on the head there. There's just people that um. You know, there's different levels of success too, right? Like, you know, you're saying, oh, you make multiple hundreds of thousands and that's successful. It is. It, obviously, it's, uh, I mean, that's a metric that you can't really argue with. But I found that there's a lot of authors that to them, great success is selling 10 books, 20 books, yeah. right? Because that's that's to them what their goal is. And you got to have goals. And sure, one day they'll raise their goals. But, you know, if that is what you need to make you happy. And if what can make you happy is a smaller goal, that's great, you know, because everyone else is killing themselves trying to reach lofty goals that maybe they don't even need to reach, right? Um, but that's funny. And it's it's true too, in the sense that um, hearing about the goals that other people have reached can sometimes almost break a barrier in your head. Or I don't know, like I remember... Uh, Roland, I don't know. I, I, my, the details are fuzzy on me, but I feel like there was a time in the in the group where we were all sort of at a similar level, 
And then somebody broke through and, and hit this other level that we didn't even think. And it might've been like a five figure month that nobody had hit before. And nobody had even thought that that was possible. And then somebody hit it. And then all of a sudden next month, everyone was hitting it because they realized that's possible. It's something I can aim for and achieve, not this like pipe dream that like, why should I bother? Cause that's, that'll never happen. Right. And so you go to a conference like this and you hear people um, that were able to achieve that pipe dream that you always thought was never going to happen. And then you realize, oh, yeah, that is possible. So maybe I should buckle down and figure out what it is they're doing that I'm not doing. And all of a sudden I can get there, too. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, though, because it also can can be really demoralizing where you're like, oh, my gosh, like everyone, especially when you're at a conference, and everyone on stage is successful. Right. Because they put all the people who know all the stuff on stage. But and you're like, gosh, you know, I barely broke even on this book that I'm working on. And it's my eighth novel, you know, so you have to you have that. But that's the other benefit about being a, in a conference is you are around a bunch of normal authors, you know, who are struggling. Some of them are struggling. Some of them aren't. Um, and and so you can get a better gauge of like, oh, I'm not. I'm not alone in this sea. You know, there there are a lot. Trust me, that sea is way more crowded than the than the uh, successful sea is. So. Oh yeah, you can't compare yourself to the guy on stage if you're not the guy on stage, right? You have to compare yourself to everybody else and think maybe I'll get to I'll be get that level one time one day. But you have to sure you have to be absolutely um, cognizant of where you are and what you know, like what everyone else is, and you're probably okay within your group, but doesn't mean you can't get better and that's why you go to these conferences yeah sure um that's, oh i was just gonna say yeah i i remember that so vividly because i had my first five figure month around that time so i think that is a massive a massive thing to actually go around people who do succeed and give you the encouragement especially when you've been peers with them so long and suddenly because for me okay it took 11 books before i had my overnight success but it was like overnight success it was like going from making 50 bucks a day to 500 bucks a day and that happens to other people and when you hear it it's just amazing yeah yeah absolutely so before we wrap up um what is the situation with uh anchors con now um i know you said like it's pretty much almost sold out um so what and where so tell us all the details where is it first of all um you know how many tickets are left what are, what, are, what do they have to pay uh to go and uh what's the what's the online situation i imagine that's not really capped um and uh you know how about is there an all access pass to, uh, for all the years can you get like a all you can eat buffet or <laughs> like what's going on well, I think that all access has is a fantastic idea. We don't have it, but I love that idea. So um, I'm going to have to set that aside for discussion. Um, but as far as the live conference, we only have about 20 tickets left at the time of this recording. I don't necessarily, we've stopped all promotion on it. So chances are, if, you, if you're interested in going, you could probably get a seat. But it's June 3rd through 5th. It's in Dallas, Texas. It's actually in Plano, Texas at the Hilton Granite Park. Um, tickets are $745. Um, that includes lunch both days. It includes everything there is to include. There is no upsell or you know VIP ticket. Um, so it includes full buffet lunch every day, open bars at our parties. Um, you know, there's always food at our parties, things like that. Um, and, and it includes the digital access too, which is normally a, a 
different ticket. Um, the digital, and, and we have a payment plan that breaks it into four payments if you want to stretch out that amount. The uh, online digital access is right now, we're in early registration pricing, so it's $195. It will go up to $245, so it'll go up $50 after June 15th. So if you're listening to this after June 15th, it has gone up, um, but it's uh, currently $195, and that includes six years of access after launch date, um, and it will launch July 15th, roughly, July 16th is when we'll unlock all of the classes and you can watch them on demand and participate in the three weeks of, you know, office hours and round tables and all of and best-selling author Q&As and a lot of live events like that. So that, and that also has a payment plan um, and we're happy to accept PayPal. If you want PayPal, just send our team an email. We'll be happy to get you a PayPal invoice. So six years of uh, access to the content of the year that you purchased, sure. right? Right. Not six years worth of. Yes. Uh, excellent question. Was... Because I do, some people get confused. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So it's six years of access to what you've purchased. And if you're interested in an older year, a lot of times those eventually go half off. Like once they're, you know, two years old, they go half off. Um, so we do have some people that go back and, once they've watched everything, there's a lot of content to watch. So that's, that's the good news. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, some of it obviously changes, but a lot of it is going to be, um, you know, it's going to be evergreen, right? You're not going to, yeah. a lot of stuff doesn't change, right? You might, maybe some of the marketing stuff that you'd some watch. Advertising change, classes. Advertising, yeah. Advertising classes. But some, I mean, also like, I mean, Amazon ads hasn't changed much in the last three years. So it's, um, yeah, some of those basics are still in place. Yeah. And is it always in uh, Texas? Yeah, it's always my sister lives in Dallas. So that's where where we put it. And it has a major airport. So that helps is yeah, flights so are normally like, pretty cheap. Yeah, because I know some of the conferences, it's like a different city every year. And it's always good, right? Because I'm just like, where is it this year? That'll determine if I want to go. Oh, it's in Vegas. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. That's how um, RT used to be. It would always move. In some cities, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I don't want to go there. And other times I'd be like, oh, man. Yeah. There's no in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're getting, uh, you're getting some of the mayors of small towns inviting you to host your conference. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then how many um tattoo artists come to your conference uh thinking that it's a completely well, different thing it's, yeah it's funny because our first year the um the hotel manager came to me in 2019 like we had just settled in we've just finished our first day and she came to me and she said i have to confess we all thought that you were a tattoo convention and she said and we have had extra linens we've had because like i guess especially fresh tattoos leave like, you know, marks on the sheets. She said, we were prepared for inks and spills and, you know, <laughs> and so she goes, you don't know how relieved we are to see a bunch of authors walk in the door. Um, so I thought, I thought that was so funny. Cause I, cause yeah. that didn't even occur to me, but obviously yeah. like it occurred right away to you. No, no, it actually didn't even occur to me. It was Nate uh, who works with, with us. He actually said to me that it was, and I was like, that's, a, yeah, it does sound like that. Cause, and I used to watch some of those tattoo shows on Netflix. So it should have occurred to me, <laughs> but yeah, no, Same that's here. hilarious. 
Yeah. That is a hysterical, hysterical story to, to wrap this up with. But unfortunately, we are out of time. I think we could have probably spoken to you for hours more. And I think there are other topics to speak to you about. I mean, your, your movie on Patrick that's an interesting one to talk about and your your success as a writer. So thank you so much for joining us, Alessandra. It's been uh, really, really, really awesome and incredibly valuable. Uh, Craig, do you have any any last words? Uh, no, I agree. I think, um, you know, if we can get you back on at some point, then we absolutely will want to. I think there's uh, there's a few things that I'd like to pick your brain more about. Um, and then uh, we, we want to hear about how the conference goes this year, for sure. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I'll come back anytime. I had a blast talking with both of you. So thank you for having me on and um, and talking about conferences, which is something that I really love. And I don't see a lot of discussion about on podcasts. So uh, thanks again. And yeah, I hope to be back. Well, thank you so much, Alessandra. All of the links we've discussed and stuff like that will be in the, the um, description down below. I, if you are listening on a podcast, you won't see me pointing my finger, but there we go. Uh, if you could uh, give us a like, uh, leave a comment, uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Give Alessandra some, some love for joining us today. And thank you very much to everybody who's been tuning in. We will be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. Until then, cheerio.